You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Okay, Luke 6 is where we're at. We're going through a little series throughout the Gospel of Luke, and here's a strange passage that's strange for a few reasons. One, there's some parables told that are outside of our culture, so we don't understand what he's getting at. And two, um, there's a statement in this particular Gospel of Luke that is not in the other Gospels when these parables come up that adds some confusion to it. So let me read it to you first, and we'll go from there. I'm in Luke 6, 33. I'm reading now the ESV, if that's helpful to you. And they said to him, these are the Pharisees, by the way. The Pharisees said to him, disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. You ever have anybody come up to you and compare your, your spirituality with someone else before? You know, John, that prophet guy whom we may not like, he's always fasting, but you... You're always stuffing your face, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come where the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new. And the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. Okay, so we're tracking with it, and then that last line comes about that's like <laughs> a little confusing. Jesus comes like, I'm doing a new thing. I'm the good thing. Uh, there's, uh, you don't, and then he kind of does this old and new parable stuff, and we get it, like embrace the new Jesus, but then all of a sudden at the end it's like, some people just, they drink the old, and, and that's what it's all about. So it's like, what is this? Is this new? Is this old? What were you even getting at here, Jesus? In biographies today, when we read biographies today, we're used to them being in chronological order, right? You read through it, it makes sense, and if somebody wrote a, a, a biography out of order, we would be like, what are you doing? You're, you're messing with the details, and we like things as literal and straight as we can get them. In ancient biographies, if you've ever read through Gospels, which are ancient biographies, they're actually written in topical order a lot of times. In other words... Jesus's parables, if you read them back to back a lot of times, you'll notice like, isn't this the same parable I just read, just said a different way? The answer is yes. The gospel writers, when making ancient biographies, take a bunch of topics that Jesus spoke on and then mesh them all together in one segment. That may not be our culture, but that was their culture. It's a way of getting you to catch on to the same theme over and over again so it gets ingrained in your memory. And so here in this passage, we have Jesus come along, and he shows that he is the new thing. And he gives two examples, back to back, the biographers put it together, to show us what he's trying to get at. If you've got an old way of doing things, in other words, you've got an a old pair of jeans. One of the things that you do not do to the old pair of jeans is go to a new pair of jeans, cut out the new pair of jeans, 
and put it on the old pair of jeans. Two reasons. One, it looks weird. Unless you're in like hip-hop 90s era, it looks strange, right? But two, when you throw those old new jeans in the dryer, guess what's going to happen? The new unwashed jeans are going to shrink and because you've now sewn it into the old one, it's going to like pull the whole jeans together and rip it. And Jesus is making this point, like you can't mix the old and the new together. You can't mix what I'm doing along with the old. There is only me. And that's hard for us because we think that Jesus is therefore abolishing the Old Testament or the law, but that's not what he's doing. Remember what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount? I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In other words, Jesus is saying, like, your context for everything now is in the new thing. It's in me. Jesus is not doing away with the law. He is becoming the king. And the king determines how the law is used and how it makes sense. That's the same case today, right? I've been to... Uh, court with some friends who ended up there and the judge has a rule book as to what is right by the standards that have been determined but the judge's job is to read through that rule book and then apply it to the situation he's in to the best of his judgment that's how laws work they're not just meant to be empty pages Jesus brings the law to life so he's saying like the old way of doing things and all the ways that you've been trapped up in that old pair of jeans don't take me and try to sew me into it. Just take me. And you can apply that in a lot of ways. The same is true, back-to-back -back parables of the wineskins. In ancient times, you took pieces of animals, and then you turned them into bags known as wineskins. You took parts of their skin or organs, and then you filled it up with whatever things you wanted to drink. It's uh, weird, I know. It's, uh, it makes Canada's milk in a bag a little better than it used to sound, right? But uh, it's, it's kind of a strange process. That's the way that they would go about containing some of their wine. So when you take some wine and you pour it into an animal's organs and then you seal it up, guess what happens? It expands. The wine ferments. And as it expands, it stretches the skin. And the skin knows how to kind of like adapt to that at the time. But over time, you're going to pour out all that wine. You do not take new wine that has not fermented yet and pour it into an old skin that has already stretched itself. Because if you do that, guess what happens when it ferments? Yeah. It, it, it breaks. It rips apart. Jesus is saying, don't take the old genes and try to incorporate me into it. It doesn't work out. Don't take the old bags of wine <laughs> and try to pour me into it. It doesn't work out. There is me and there's only me. See, I am doing a new thing. The new thing has arrived. Now, you could apply this to the church in a million different ways, right? Think about some of the fights that we've had over time. Oh, pews are the only way to go about church, and I would leave the church if you got rid of the pews. See, I'm doing a new thing that, honestly, why does this debate even matter? <laughs> There's no morality in this. How many times does the church get caught up and stagnant in something that literally doesn't matter because like the Pharisees who are ingrained in tradition and even teaching their own traditions as like 
God-spoken doctrine, which is what Jesus accused the Pharisees of doing, how often do we get caught up in that place of saying it's this way, the old way, that's the only way to go about it, and Jesus comes and says, it's me, it's me, the new thing. It's not that Jesus is like pro-chairs over pro-pews or pro-tables or anything like that. It's just focus on Jesus. You want to reach your culture? Well, Jesus knows the culture that you're trying to reach. Don't get caught up in the old stuff. Focus on Jesus. And that, by the way, is not an uh, excuse to throw tradition out the window and do whatever the heck you want. That's an opposite error. Focus on Jesus. Where is he taking you? Same thing could be said about the church at large. There's a doctrine I've always really appreciated called progressive revelation. And the idea is this, is that God is always teaching us and that we haven't fully downloaded everything that he cares about and knows about. And that he slowly reveals to us over time what truth is. Do you see that when you read the Bible? You start with some real solid truth in the Garden of Eden, but then it quickly spirals. By the time you get to Abraham and Sarah, you've got a brother and half-sister, half-brother, half-sister married, and then there's polygamy, and then there's all this stuff. And when we read that, we're like, these are the people God used. I mean, there's already this like order and dysfunction that, that is going on. And God doesn't just like kick polygamy out the window right away, even though we know that it should just be uh, as it was in the Garden of Eden that they have spiraled from that place. Even though we know that, God steps into their culture as it is and progressively reveals to them back to the garden, this is not the way that we live, this is not the way that we act. Get back to how you were called to be. In some ways, racism was progressive revelation of God saying, this has always been wrong, what are you doing? Stop it. Because that's, that's the whole New Testament. The whole New Testament in Acts is, is Jesus saying, all right, go out and save the rest of the world. And what does the church do? Like, I don't know about that one. This, this was just us. This was just our thing. Put us back in the old bottle, Jesus. Put us back on the old genes. Don't make us reach out to all these people that we don't know and understand, who don't live by our customs. They're weird and strange, and they don't belong with us. And they have to be literally forced into it. I mean, Peter falls into a trance at one point, a trance that is teaching him to reach the Gentiles. It's almost when you're into a trance, it, you don't really have much of a choice. It just kind of happens if that's the kind of trance that Peter's in. He falls into a trance where God has to tell him directly, go and reach the Gentiles. What does Peter do? He goes to the Gentiles because he knows he's supposed to, and he starts to explain it. But he doesn't, like, say, and I baptize you all in the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit just interrupts Peter while he's preaching and does it himself. As though to say, look, Peter, I'm bringing them in. <laughs> Put away your racism and reach out to all people. You, under Jesus, under the new way, are all one family. It doesn't matter what your boundaries are, be it race or socioeconomic and so on and so forth. You are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And you are on the same level with one another. Slave or free, nobody gets to be higher than another. In fact, in the kingdom, under Jesus, under the new way, the highest you get is by going as low as you can. And so God starts doing away with racism. And it takes some of them some time to get that. Paul's probably the one who got it best. Because Paul 
yells at his brothers and sisters when he sees that they are, are still trying to uh, bring racism into the church. And he gets especially mad when they try to take Jesus and their evangelistic tactics and cram Jesus into the old wineskins. Circumcision belonged with the old wineskins, belonged with the old pair of pants. And Paul, when he sees that they're taking Jesus, who is not concerned with that, for Gentiles at least, he looks over at them trying to take Jesus and cramming him back into the old pants and saying, what are you doing? That's, that's not the way. You're stretching it. The old and the new like that, it, it cannot go together. It will rip the pants. It will burst the wineskin. They are incompatible. It's Jesus and only Jesus. And everything that we had before is not done away with. It just finally makes sense under the new way of Jesus. And you think we learned that lesson by now, but you look around at the church today and we are still fighting about racism. In the past week, within church gatherings, I have had people get furious at me for speaking against racism and calling the church to be better than it is. Still today, you have to step in to the new thing. And Jesus doing away with racism is not a new thing. We go back 2,000 years. The new thing, not the old thing. The old thing only makes sense in the new thing. Jesus did that himself, right? Disciples have seen Jesus die on a cross. They're freaking out. They're like, what are we going to do? I mean, he's dead now. We thought he was a Messiah. We thought he was the one, but he's not the one. Jesus disguises himself, walks along with these disciples, and says, hey, guys, what you talking about? They're like, oh, have you not heard in these days? The Messiah, we thought he was the Messiah, but he died. And Jesus is like, how, how do you think that's the case? And then Jesus starts to go through all of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, everything. And he says, do you not see how that guy on the cross fulfilled all of this through his actions, through his teaching, through what he did? And it says that the disciples felt their hearts burning within them. As it, the lights go off, what happened? It wasn't that they went back to the old thing and just lived there now that Jesus was dead. It was that Jesus came alongside them and said, let me explain the old thing to you. Do you not see how I am in all of this? This does not make sense without this. The old thing has been masked a hundred different ways to only make sense in the new thing. We could apply this too to our own lives, right? We struggle with sin. We fall into those same traps over and over and over again. And honestly, like if you're struggling with it, great. That's where you need to be. Because that shows yourself and shows Jesus, I don't want to be like this. I want to be better than this. Jesus, teach me to be better than this so that I don't just keep falling into the old ways. That is a good, healthy place to be because Jesus loves to teach us and raise us out of that stuff. And he is gracious and wants to raise us out of that stuff quickly if he can. But there are some things in our lives where we just want the old way. And we say, Jesus, these sins over here pull me out of it, but not these ones. These ones I get to keep. These ones are mine. I don't want you in this business over here. And Jesus ends up over here saying, that's not how this works. I'm the new thing. I'm the king. You don't get to keep some pieces to yourself. 
I need all of it. And sometimes we just say, no, 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 you can have these things, but not the others. One of the new things that he had to teach me is, like, if I get upset with myself, I gravitate toward looking at a mirror and calling myself names. You're never going to get out of this. You always do this. What's wrong with you? Can't you be better? No, you can't. You've proved that over and over again. Come on, get it together. But you can't. You suck. You know, like, staring in a mirror, declaring all these curses over myself. The new way had to teach me, Jamin, you're never going to get out when you do that. Even if you feel like you hate yourself in a moment, you have to come to King Jesus as the new way. And he says, if you want to get out of that, you have to remember your identity and who you are. You are a child of God, Jamin. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, Jamin. The Holy Spirit is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The kind of things that you want in your life, Jamin. Do you think, Jamin, that the Holy Spirit is incapable of producing those fruits in you? No. Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of who you are. You are my son, and do not talk bad about my son. The new way was foreign to me. I was so used to the punishment route of hating myself. But the new way pulled me out. Now, when I go to the mirror and I feel that urge rise up in me to just destroy myself, I feel the Holy Spirit say, before you do that, remember the new way. If you want the fullness of what Christ has to offer to you, you got to step out of the old stuff, including those habits that keep you stuck in the old stuff. He needs to heal the other stuff going on in you. Like we just prayed before we got into this about, God, what, what are those things that you need to show us that will help us leave the old stuff behind? For me, I had the whole list. I could come to him and be like, God, I know you want me to be better at this, 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 and this. And then I had an old lady come up to me. and She's like, Jesus has told me to tell you that you need to learn to cry again. That's not on my list. What does that have to do with anything? Another old lady two months later, different lady. Jesus told me that you need to learn to cry again. Okay, not on my list. Why that? Because Jesus knows that there's more going on behind all the old stuff, behind all the bondage. There's other emotional healing that needs to be done in you, Jamin, if you want to be free of that other stuff. You need to learn to bring back that emotion. How did these old ladies know that I hadn't cried more than like two times in 15 years? And now I cry at the finale of Frasier. It's not even emotional. And he's coming back. I don't have to cry. It's not over. And But I do. <laughs> now I cry at everything. Stupid Disney movies pulling on my heart. You got to step out of the old stuff. And if you want to stay there, then you're going to find a real hard time putting on the new pants, pouring into the new wineskin. I've had this happen where I've led some people through counseling and things were going great. I remember there was one person really rough around the edges. I knew that there was going to be a hundred disagreements that they were going to have in my opinion of, of what Jesus wanted for their life and how they needed to live. But I fully embraced it. Let's go ahead. Let's hop into this discussion. And for weeks, man, they, they were in a really dark place, and so they just poured into it over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on all these things. I'm going to work all these Jesus passages, all these scriptures. And God showed up tangibly in that time. 
So did difficulty. But some of the experiences they had with Jesus are like beyond probably what any of you may be used to. It was crazy how God met them in that place. But then there was one day where things just went a little silent. Lots of progression forward, lots of inner healing, lots of working on things, and then one day just radio silence. And I kept pushing in. What do we need to do here? The, the process that I had them on was forgiving someone. And in my opinion, this is strange how this works. In my opinion, they had already forgiven way worse things. But I've learned with counseling that there are sometimes less worse things that are harder to forgive. And this, to me, seemed like something that would have been easier, but it was not. And the walls went up. And within a few days, they just reached out and like, this is bull crap. I'm not doing this. Forgiveness is dumb, stupid. I'm out. And then they just left. And their problems have continued to haunt them since. And I knew that, like, I can pray. I can be present. I can be open to helping. But that right there was a choosing the old stuff. And I, I can't make that decision for you to come to the new stuff. This is better. It does take work to get there. It takes immense amounts of work sometimes. But the old stuff, if we choose it and say, I'm actually okay with this, not I'm struggling with this, but I'm actually just completely fine with this and this is where I'm going to stay. That's our choice. And we can't even get our leg up to put on the new pair of jeans when we're not willing to subject the old to the new. Jesus is not calling you to try to figure out how to put these two things, the old and the new, together with your own mind and your own effort. He's simply saying, put all the old stuff away and just choose me, and I'll teach you the rest. The early church had to lean heavily on that. The early church was Jewish, and they had 600-plus laws that they followed. And when they started reaching Gentiles, they were like, we're going to have to figure out how to teach them 600 laws. Like, they don't live to any of this. God's going to be ticked. <laughs> and then God warmed their heart and taught them something different. God taught them, you know what? Give them just a few basics. Don't worship idols. Things like that. Don't sleep around. Things like that. So they gave all the Gentiles, instead of 600 rules, they gave them five. Five rules. Isn't that ridiculous? That's not even the Ten Commandments. They fell short of the Ten Commandments. They just gave them five. <laughs> What's that all about? It's about this. They knew that their old ways of doing things was not what they were supposed to extend to the rest of the world. What they were supposed to extend to the rest of the world was the new thing, and the new thing was Jesus. And if all these Gentiles and all their different cultures and all their different ways of life can at least just be obedient to Christ, their King, Jesus will teach them how the old stuff makes sense with the new. And that only happens if we listen. And the church today, at least the American church, has put up walls and it does not listen. We flock to places where the pastors tell us exactly what we want to hear. 
This is what an advertising guru for churches told a friend of mine. He's saying, how do you keep growing these churches? Tell me your ways. Like, you can't. You would have to essentially break all of your ethics. <laughs> You'd have to give them exactly what they want to hear, and then your church will grow. That's not how the new way works. That stuff subjected to this thing is the only way. So Jesus, would you convict us right now? What are the old things that we're holding on to that we want to subject as our king instead of you as our king? That may be church-related, that may be culture-related, that may be uh, morally related, it may be sin-related. There are so many ways in which we can get caught up in the old thing. But Jesus, you're the king. What you say goes. And if we can know for sure how you are speaking to us, and we can line that up with the Bible and what it has to say, then we can find the assuredness that we are, are well within your grasp and where you are calling us to. Teach us, grow us, make us better. And do it personally and communally. God, may 1208 be repentant and convicted that we would show the rest of the world who you are at all times, including in our own self-development. You are the new thing. We give our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.